I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, producer Jonah Primo here and welcome to Principle of Charity. This is part one of our conversation on whether or not AI can create art. In part one, Emil will do his best to tease out the nuances of the topic. And in part two next week, Lloyd, as is his style will do his best to tease out the nuances of the guests themselves. As always, if you learn something from the show, please leave us a review. Enjoy. Welcome to Principle of Charity. I'm Lloyd Vogelman and I'm here with my cousin and buddy Emil Sherman. We're here to inject some generosity and curiosity back into our conversations. Principle of Charity tells us to seek the truth, not win the fight, and to first put aside our own views and try to understand the other viewpoint before we instinctively reject it. Every episode, we have a Principle of Charity personal challenge. And today, Emil, our personal challenge draws on the psychological concept of fusion. When you are fused with your thinking, you are tangled up with your thoughts, meaning that you don't have enough perspective to notice. They are just, in fact, thoughts and not absolute truths. So the next time you are in a big argument with someone from the other side, can you be conscious that your negative thoughts about them are not absolute truths? Now, Emil... Tell us a little bit about our topic for today. Thanks, Lloyd. Our topic today is, can AI create art? In 2022, an AI-generated work of art won a US state art competition. The artists used Midjourney, one of the popular AI systems that also include DALI and Stable Diffusion. They're trained on the millions of images scattered through the internet using a deep learning program called a Generative Adversarial Network, or GAN for short. It works by taking in text prompts where you type in what you want the artwork to look like, and the AI then draws on a huge database of artworks um, it has to generate a new work that conforms to the prompts. But to create a great AI work, it's not as simple as typing, create some great art. The artists who won that competition put in lengthy and complex prompts, working up hundreds of iterations before he arrived at the final work. But is this really art? And if so, which bit of it is the art? One could argue that the art bit lies with the written prompts from the human, as that's where the authentic creative expression seems to lie. And is it really that different to the many top artists who have in the past and still today have a studio with assistants who physically create the work with the artists verbally communicating what they want? In this light, AI is a sort of souped-up assistant or tool there to realise the artist's vision. Or is the AI better seen as a collaborator here, taking cues from a human and then going about its own creative process as it takes in millions of online images and creates something that draws on them, is fueled by the human prompt, but is genuinely new? When we see some of the extraordinary AI creations from these platforms, it does seem like this is qualitatively different to a bunch of assistants following your exact instruction. Or is art really just the wrong word to describe the sort of images produced. If you think written prompts aren't enough to be called an authentic artistic expression, and the AI by itself isn't able to create anything meaningfully original, just remixing what we've seen before, then there's nothing there that could be called art, even if it might be called creative. Whatever we think, it's clear that AI art, like AI in every domain it has touched, is challenging us to rethink our categories and even to ask us to question what it means to be human. And so here we're forced once again to ask the question that art seems to feed on again and again, what is art? Now, for me, what's more interesting than these text-to-image systems like Midjourney or DALI, which are really advertised as creative helpers for humans who want to become more creative, is the question of whether AI can create art without human input at all. One of our guests, 
Ahmed Elgamel has created such a system and it has passed what could be called the Art Turing Test, where most people who are shown the images genuinely believe these works are created by humans and that they express something original and authentic. And if, if that wasn't enough, his AI-created works were seen in his experiment as more authentically human than works shown from the world's leading art fair. This, for me, is where things get interesting. There's no pretense here that it's the human prompts that make it art. This is an AI system generating art by itself, albeit one programmed by a human. But is it really art, or is it just a simulacrum, a collection of digital ones and zeros that are masquerading as art, tricking us into thinking that it's an artwork? Our other guest today, Michael Sarkasis, believes strongly that art is much more than the image itself, no matter how good it is, or even how original or evocative it might feel to a viewer. That art lies in the relationship between an artist and its viewer, in the way it connects, creates, and communicates meaning. When we stand in front of a great work of art, we find solace as we recognize others have thought and felt as we do. We see an expression of an inner life, even a subconscious, and moreover, an expression that's deeply rooted in the artist's cultural and social environment. Art in this view is not and can never be merely an image void of human intent, meaning and context. So Lloyd, today I'm aiming to achieve the impossible, to get to the bottom of that endlessly gnarly question, what actually is art? Or even harder, what is good art? And can artificial intelligence create it? Tell us a little more about our guests before we bring them on. Emil, our two guests today are Michael Sakasas and Ahmed El-Gamal. Let me tell you a little bit about Michael first. Michael is the Executive Director at the Christian Study Center in Florida. He received his MA in Theological Studies from the Reformed Theological Seminary. Michael was later a doctoral candidate at the University of Central Florida, studying the relationship between technology and society with a focus on the work of Hannah Arendt. Along the way, Michael has taught in a variety of settings and has written extensively on technology and society. He's an Associate Fellow in Ethics and Culture at the Greystone Theological Institute. He has written for the New Atlantis, the New Inquiry, the American and Second Nature Journal. His work has also been featured in the Atlantic and the New York Times. And Michael writes The Convivial Society, a popular newsletter on technology, culture and the moral life. And he has been described as one of the most penetrating and stimulating critics of digital technology. Emil, our other guest today is Ahmed El-Gamal. Ahmed is a professor at the Department of Computer Science and the Center for Cognitive Science at Rutgers University. He is also the founder and director of the Art and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory at Rutgers. Ahmed also found and is the CEO of Playform AI, a platform that is dedicated to give artists access to the latest generative AI tech. His research on knowledge discovery in art history, AI art generation, and AI-based art authentication, as well as the AI team, listen to this, that he led in completing Beethoven's 10th symphony, has received global media coverage. In 2016, a TV segment about Ahmed's research produced for PBS won an Emmy Award, and in 2017, he developed AI Can, an autonomous AI artist and collaborative creative partner, which was acclaimed in an artsy editorial as the biggest artistic achievement of the year. He has published over 200 peer-reviewed papers, chapters, and books in the field of computer vision and machine learning, and Ahmed received his MSc and PhD degrees in computer science from the University of Maryland. Emil, let's bring Ahmed and Michael on. Welcome, Ahmed and Michael. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining us. Um, Ahmed, I want to start with you. You know, you've, I've seen some of the incredible work you've done on the nature of creativity and how you've analysed the history of art and boiled it down to its ability, as I understand it, to be original and to influence. And then through your lab, you've created an AI system that, that can create new artworks, which seem to have even passed the sort of AI Turing test, um, where majority of people think the works uh, have been created by humans. And as I understand it, your technology uses a different AI system, and I'm not a particularly technical person here, to the current prompt-to-image systems used by 
AI platforms like MidJourney, and we'll get to those MidJourney GAN type systems down the track. But just in its purest sense, Ahmed, with a system like the one you created, can you expand a little on how can AI create art? Um, thank you for inviting me for this uh, podcast. Um, um, there are many ways AI create arts can can use to be to create art. Um, art here is not just the image that the AI spits out. Art here is the process of creating the algorithm that makes the AI creative and generate images. Think of it as a whole process from front to end. Somebody has to program this AI with the intention to make it generate these images. So, so the artist there is the programmer, in a sense, is what you're saying? In a sense, yes. In a sense, yes, because the programmer is the one who fed the AI, the data, frame out what um, the, the objective of that AI uh, and how it works. And AI became creative in the process um, following these rules. But there's a person who framed out this whole process, and that's a creative process. Involved writing code, involved collecting data, involved curating the outputs, and AI is hmm. part of the process. I'm, I'm, I mean, we'll talk about some of these things down the track, but if, if an artist needs to be expressing something authentic, I, I just wonder whether a programmer in that sense is actually expressing something authentic. If an artist is the right word to describe what a programmer is doing in that sense, because they're more setting up the conditions within which art can be produced rather than actually expressing something specific. Totally. Um, uh, when artists use these kind of tools, uh, these kind of tools that goes under what's called GANs, uh, Generative Adversarial Networks, uh, collectively, and these kind of tools um, allow artists to, to train the AI system with some images, uh, and the AI system will generate more of these images or variant of these images. And here, um, what is the artist's role? The artist's role is maybe the artist is not a programmer at all. Maybe the artist is just using a, a code that somebody else programmed. Uh, but the artist's role here is to feed it some images, usually their own images as, as artists, and uh, maybe tweak some parameters and knobs and uh, generate images and curate from that. And maybe I treat several times through this process until they get what they want. So it's a creative process for artists. And AI here play a role. It's a creative role. I mean, I hear that, Ahmed. I, I, hear, I, I hear that. And we'll get into the GAN. I want to start with the more, the sort of CAN uh, algorithm that you created, and we'll get into the the mid-journey DALI-type GAN programs later. But the role of the programmer in creating the program that, that you put together feels very different to an artist asking something very specific of, of mid-journey, that, you know, the program totally. you came up with did, did create things that somehow escaped the box of intention of the programmer. I'm going to move to, to Michael now, and then we'll get back into all these because you've sort of brought up so many of the questions we're going to be addressing on, on this side of the podcast. But Michael, you know, your wonderful online newsletter, the Convivial Society, you wrote this, this article, which really prompted uh, my thinking about this area and, and, this, and this episode, and where you questioned question the value of artwork created by AI. And we'll deep dive into some of these areas down the track. But how would you summarize your main arguments of why AI can't create truly meaningful art. Likewise, thank you for having me on. Um, and I was really excited to have this conversation um, in, in part because it's helpful to, to hear different perspectives and kind of clarify your own thinking in the process. Um, mm. So again, thank you. And thank you, Ahmed, for, for uh, joining in. Um, I think I approached the question, uh, first of all, I, I, I wonder if at some point it might be helpful to clarify terms that we're using like art or creativity uh, or even AI, because I feel like those terms are used so, in such divergent ways by people who have these conversations that sometimes I think people end up talking past each other just because mm. they're using the words um, equivocally. But in that, in that particular piece, I wondered about the degree to which art involves a is is a medium by which two human beings connect at some level, right? And so, uh, for example, I I did focus a little bit on uh, some of what at the time might be perceived as merely technical deficiencies, and 
I recognize, of course, that the technical deficiencies can be overcome. So I don't necessarily want to, to stake everything I have to say on that. But the observation was sort of grounded on the fact that if I subjectively, right, so this is open, you know, to, to, to question, but subjectively, uh, if I uh, consider a painting by Bruegel, uh, who is an artist that I'm particularly fond of, um, I feel as if I can spend a great deal of time uh, and I can ask uh, of the painting questions uh, about its meaning, its significance, in, in such a way that uh, what I'm ultimately asking is a question about, uh, about Bruegel, about a person, right? About a, a human being with a, a set of experiences uh, that obviously are not entirely uh, similar to mine from a different time, a different culture, uh, a different uh, world in some respects, uh, but that there's sufficient continuity in the human experience where uh, I might meaningfully put questions to the painting. Uh, and in essence, what I'm asking to some degree uh, and, and again, I realize there are theoretical questions here about intentionality and the meaning of art and more postmodern readings of art, et cetera, uh, but that there is ultimately some sense in which I, I'm asking a question of a person hmm. and, and that that person may to some degree be able to give an account of, uh, of their work in response to that question. Uh, much of that now is, of course, a very one-sided conversation with uh, those who have already passed away, right? So yeah. uh, I like Auden's phrase, uh, W.H. Auden's phrase about breaking bread with the dead. And we do that over texts and images and all sorts of things. And I wasn't sure, right, if I could ask the same sorts of questions uh, of, an, of an AI-generated image. I want to acknowledge, though, uh, that I think there, there, there's a, a range of possibilities here, right? So there is the person who maybe logs on to mid-journey, uh, throws a couple of prompts out and produces some images as a consequence. And, and that's sort of the end of it, right? And then there may be a more involved uh, process whereby uh, someone is is uh, much more deliberate in what they're trying to draw out or uh, accomplish so that it, it, it becomes, as Ahmed said, um, more a matter of the AI becoming a, a tool in the hand of someone who is trying, attempting to realize some vision, right? Attempting to realize some, um, some proximity in the output to what they intend, right? So there's yeah. a, I grant that there's a spectrum of possibilities here. But what um, about Michael with one of the yeah. systems that Ahmed created where it's, it's less about the prompt of the individual, but the programmer sets up the conditions within which art can be or creativity can emerge. How would you view a creative work. I'm trying to get to the sort of purer sense of the possibilities of AI. How would how would you view an artistic work or a creation from an algorithm, a deep learning system, where there was no prompt? So if I yeah, if I understand this correctly, the the idea is that you have an output that produces something that is trained on traditions of human art and generates something that is relatively novel but somehow in keeping with uh, that, that tradition. And I, I suppose that part of my qu question would be, and I think this is the, the train of uh, thought that you were pursuing as well. So where do we locate the creativity in that process? Yes. And what is the create, what exactly is creativity? Do we, does, is creativity coextensive with making, right? So are all acts of making, creative in the sense that we mean or artistic in the sense that we mean uh, do we reserve the the term of art or genuine creativity to a certain level of proficiency or a certain fidelity to a tradition the one question that has form been formulating in my mind i wondered if there was a difference between look what i have helped the machine to create and and look at what i have created and and in my mind, there, there, there's not a binary here, but there may be thresholds, thresholds of involvement, uh, thresholds of expertise or training that may fade over to a point where we might say, well, I'm not, I'm not sure whether the way in which we ordinarily speak of creativity uh, or of art necessarily applies in quite the same way. And, and maybe uh, maybe we're, we begin to speak analogously, right? The mm -hmm. machine is creative analogously to a human, uh, to human creativity. 
and those are the best terms that we have to describe what is happening. Uh, but but analogies are not identity, right? So there are different things that are nonetheless sort of related to one another. Yeah, I mean, what I, the, the sense I got from your article was that, you know, even in an end case where an AI system was actually, you know, truly mind-blowingly creative and where someone looking at the work might find in it something powerful, new, evocative, emotional, that an image by itself, an image devoid of a sort of human intent and a relationship with a, a human being behind it, got an inner life and and is expressing something and sits within a social and political uh, mm-hmm. context and cultural context. In a sense, the work is is necessary but not sufficient to qualify as art. Now, there's something that art needs to be, which is more than just the form. Is that is that a reasonable reading of what you were writing? I, I think that certainly is a good way of putting it. I, you know, I, I steered away from wanting to police the way that the word art is used. Um, and I, I'm not entirely sure if, you know, if I, I would say this, this is not art in some sense. Uh, but I, I wonder if it answers to the same human needs as other forms of art that we might find a measure of consolation in, uh, a measure of uh, sure. Now I immediately think of Iris Murdoch, who says that art ought not to console at all. But right, there's some <laughs> some measure of of meaning that we can seek and derive in relationship to the to the understanding that I am speaking to someone whose experience is not wholly unlike mine. Right mm. now, there may be there there are non-human elements of the world which can be meaningful, right, or which mm. can uh, speak to us in a certain way. Um, and so, perhaps the image, and I, I, I met, I appreciate the distinction between uh, you know an image, uh, the way you use specifically this is an image. Um, the, the image is maybe not valueless, right? It, it maybe has a, a certain aesthetic um, excellence to it at some level. Uh, but I am, I am still left wondering about that human to human connection mm-hmm. that right. I have to, I, I at some level can presume, right, in taking up um, a, a painting of Bruegel's or certain novel, I can presume on that. I, I can, may not be able to fully plumb the depths of that significance or meaning. I, I'm susceptible to misinterpretation. I'm susceptible to uh, imposing upon the work of art my own meaning and interpretation yeah. as wholly yeah. distinct from theirs. All of that is possible, but I, I can still presume that it is meaningful to ask the question, uh, what, what was it like for the other human being on the other end of this work of art to to create this and and what can I learn from it? Yes, yes. Yeah, that, that, that is a key thing. And I think we'll get Ahmed to some of the GAN systems. And I know you've got some real concerns, Ahmed, about um, the level of creativity and where the creativity lies. But I, I just want to continue to stay with, I guess, the potential, Ahmed, of, of AI to, to be creative, to be truly creative. And thinking about our brains as neural networks, biologically based with electrical chemical signals and AI deep learning programs are another form of network, as I understand it, silicon based using ones and zeros. And we humans create art by looking out at our environment as well as other artworks. We're inspired and process it in our brains. And we come up with creations that draw on all of this whilst offering something new. And, you know, as I understand it, you've, you've done a lot of work in analyzing exactly what artworks are, how they, draw on the past and how they create something new and there's in in that way of looking at the of, of artwork there's no inherent reason why an incredible ai system couldn't do that unless we're appealing to a supernatural world of souls and spirits or something that lies beyond the realm of neurology and the environment is there a philosophical or even limit according to the laws of physics about why ai can't create really great art or how great an artwork AI could actually create. I mean, is we, we know in other spheres in the game of Go or just in so many other spheres with AI now, AI is actually better than humans. I'm even wondering, theoretically, could AI be more creative than human beings? Paint a picture of a sort of positive picture of the potential of AI here. 
First, I think um, for the benefit of this discussion, let's make a diff- differentiation between creativity, talking about the creativity and talking about art. They are not the okay. same thing. You can be creative, but what you're creating is not art. And you can make art that's not creative. So making art and being creative is totally different things. How would you define how would you define that difference? Yeah, let, let me define that philosophically. So let's define creativity first. And and um, there are many uh, there are a long debate about what is what's creativity and uh, historical. Um, and let let's go to the Immanuel Kant definition, the philosopher uh, about creativity. So he defined what's called artistic genius, and uh, the main two conditions for something to be called artistic genius is for for that thing you're looking at to be novel compared to what happened in the past and to be exemplary or influential so people look at it and like it and try to copy it and these are the two elements that that most people agree on as the two uh, um, uh, elements of creativity so that's uh, creativity so it's well defined um, to some degree and this definition here, if you look at this definition, there is nothing here that restricts uh, creativity to be human. Uh, AI can create things that are novel, and AI can create things that influence us as human, and we like it. So in that in that de- very definition, I don't see any restriction for AI to create something creative. It can create an image that me as a person look at and say, wow, that's inspired me, and there is a reason for that. And and uh, I can even I have seen examples of artists start to copy what what uh, AI have made, uh, so that clearly shows that AI is creative. And uh, from a mathematical point of view, I believe uh, that creativity is a search in a very high dimensional space. If you're you're doing visual images, that you have a very high dimensional bunch of pixels with colors, and 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 you searching something. Uh, meaningful to you uh, in that space uh, aesthetically and AI can be much better than human in in exploring that large space of numbers the same thing if you're creating uh, uh, text or music Um, so AI can be creative, I have no doubt about that now let's go talk about art art is very different I like Michael's definition about art being a communication between the human. This is also the definition of Tolstoy, Tolstoy has the same kind of definition, you think of art as a communication between humans if we put art as a connection between humans, we uh, precondition art to be a human thing, uh, right? I mean, uh, a machine cannot talk, to, uh, communicate with another machine through art. It's, it's 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 mainly for the consumption of human, whether a human created it or a machine. So um, that's now restrict by definition art to be a human thing. Because I ask you, Ahmed, on that when you when you mentioned Immanuel Kant. He talked about creative, the definition of create of artistic genius, not creative genius. So, do you think he would disagree with you? Did, did, or yeah, there are so many different definitions came after, and and and. But again, the the consensus among among people in that domain is about these two two elements. There are other people who add other things to it, like surprising and and other things, and and even even talking about creativity. Uh, what are we talking about? Uh, there are people who talk about creativity of um, a person. You can say Mozart is a creative artist, or 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 Beethoven, or or Da Vinci, or talking about creativity of an object. You can say the Mona Lisa is creative piece of work, or or um, or uh, psychologists prefer to talk about creativity in terms of the mental process of crea- creation. So again, depending on um, uh, what are you attributing creativity uh, to? Uh, the definition can vary, but at the end, uh, no matter what, uh, still these two elements becomes very crucial in defining creativity. There's uh, the novelty and and uh, uh, being influential, and even that that differs. Are you talking about creativity uh, from personal point of view? I can be do something creative for myself, uh, something novel for me, and something inspire me. But for the others, it's not creative because it has been done before. And that distinction has been done by uh, Professor Margaret Bowden, um, uh, who is an expert in, in uh, AI, uh, AI and creativity a long time ago. And uh, she has a, a distinction between us called um, uh, personal creativity and historical creativity. So I guess for this discussion, we're talking about historical dis- uh, creativity, which is basically you creating something 
for other people and other people judge it, it, it to be a creative or novel. So, so could I ask, Ahmed, in that context, the work that your um, AI system created, you know, was, was highly creative, but it did, in a sense, trick people into thinking that it was art because people read human intentionality into it. It was a sort of simulacra of, of art rather than being art itself. And people read intention and authenticity and expression into it when, when there was none. Totally. That's a great point. Again, depending on, on um, people can be fooled by looking, just looking at the image and comparing it to um, uh, artworks and think it's defined as art. Because here the question is wrong, actually. Um, although I asked this question myself, but there's something fundamental here. Uh, when you're looking at an artwork on a gallery, on a gallery wall, um, you are now switching uh, everything to a viewer-based uh, understanding of what's on the wall. You are you are taking the artist who created that out of the equation altogether, and you're just looking at an image on a wall. And as a viewer, here uh, it's a different process. It's here about how that piece of work on the wall affects you. Uh, what do you read into it? Uh, how emotionally it affects you? Um, and that uh, experience, that viewing experience, is really what affects your decision whether it's art or not from from viewer point of view. Even without looking at the label and, and looking at who. Yeah. Can... So from a viewer from a viewer point of view, in a sense, you, you you don't need an artwork. You you don't need it to be an artwork to be affected to be to use our definition. You just need something that's creative, that's evocative. I mean, I was thinking, Michael. Um, you know, I, I studied a lot of cultural theory at university and, and Derrida loomed large with his catchphrase, there's nothing outside the text. You know, the creator can't control the meaning of their work and, and the work speaks for itself in a sense. And if we if we see a work, as Ahmed's referring to, a work in a gallery created by AI, let's say there's just a programmer behind it, but no authentic ex- particular in, in intended ex- expression by someone, but it really is an AI-created work. But that work moves us and uh, affects us and feels new and feels vibrant in all the ways that Ahmed's created work did with the, the, the human uh, test subjects who thought they were actually more authentic than many of the works from Art Basel. How do we think about value in that in that context? Is, is it a, 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 are, the, are the viewers being tricked in a sort of deep sense? Or is their experience something that is valuable? How, how do we think about value and merit and, um, you know, the worth of a work like that? Uh, or, or are they, yeah, is a sen- essentially just an incredibly effective optical illusion, which makes you think something which, you know, doesn't actually exist? That That's a great question. Um, it, it, it raises an interesting ethical question, I think, because it... If I come to the museum, which is where we think of encountering art, unless we're very wealthy and the museum happens to be our living room, <laughs> uh, but the and I, I honestly I made a note too about the fact that there there is maybe something uh, worth exploring here about how that in fact that experience of art is relatively modern. Our art has historically served many purposes, right? But they've more recently, I think, perhaps been narrowed, you know, art has been narrowed to its aesthetic value. uh, Whereas, you know, what we think of as art now would have had a context and a role to play in a ritual setting, uh, in a religious setting, in a political context. uh, And we tend to abstract now that work and set it in a museum and abstract it from its greater enfolding into the fabric of some human community or some human, um, you know, uh, uh, um, a, ro- a robust setting where certain practices and assumptions gave the art its full significance or intention. Mm-hmm. So there, there's already a sense in which we've we've stepped away from some of the ways in which humans have encountered what we think of as art. Um, and reduced it already to an act of consumption. You know, this is part of what comes to my mind too, right? Do we orient ourselves to a 
a work of art, which I, to some degree I feel like putting in, in quotation marks, right? Because it's, it's so fluid, whatever we think of that, right? Um, do we expect, what do we expect of it? Do we expect to uh, simply be uh, awed by some technical proficiency uh, involved in the creation of the work of art? Um, that's certainly one dimension of it. Um, and so in that, in that case, if, if that is all that I'm seeking, uh, I am sure that there are works of uh, AI-generated art, uh, which will achieve by some measures a high degree of technical proficiency. Um, and so if, if we think of art uh, as, if I come to the work of art wanting to receive, though, I think maybe this is the difference, not just as a consumer, but as someone who is seeking uh, some measure of wisdom, right? Something that comes from the work of art that will inform my experience of the world. If the work of art it presents as being generated, but if we if we assume that it is human, but it is not. I wonder if there is not some some ethical question there that is worth raising, right? About well, if we, I'm talking here about knowing yeah. that it's AI. Yeah, know, if you know, sure. You're feeling things. What merit does one's feeling and experience have, given there's no, yeah. you know, human interlocutor there? There's no yeah. consciousness on the other end. Yeah, um, right, right. Is 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 it fundamentally a trick, <laughs> or or it's a, a meaningful experience? I'm trying to think if we've located the, the right question, right? So yeah, right. let me, okay. right, you know, because I, I, I'm willing certainly to, to grant, it's not even a willingness to grant, it's just, it seems to me straightforward that uh, we can encounter uh, a, a work of AI-generated art in the same way that we might encounter some pattern in nature uh, that was not generated by human intelligence, say, uh, that would be meaningful or speak to us. Uh, or, or set off in us, within me, uh, a process of thought or feeling, right? That of course has merit. It, 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 it would have merit simply by virtue of um, setting me off on a certain train of thought. And that's, that has its, its place, its value. I, I would not want to deny it uh, a, a value. Um, but I think, again, I come back to if I am, on the other hand, seeking something that of necessity entails this understanding that there is another human psyche, that there's someone who has suffered, say, right? Uh, or someone who has uh, generated an insight as a consequence of their being a creature like me in the world. Uh, and that I'm looking, if I'm intentionally looking for that, I, I do question whether I can find that there. So. I don't necessarily want to say that only those things have merit and only those things have value. But they're a different form of merit in but a sense. It's a different... I think so. I think so. I, w I would want to be very clear about what it is we're asking of yeah. the image yeah. or the work of art. It's very important, um, I think, uh, what Michael mentioned here. But there are something, uh, two things I want to clarify here that will mm -hmm. help us uh, make a picture of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, first, uh, if we remember hundreds of years hundred years ago, exactly, almost exactly, uh, Marcel Duchamp, had, 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 a French-American artist, had his uh, fountain uh, piece of art, which was basically, he bought um, a funeral uh, um, and put it upside down and called it art. And that was, um, uh, many art historians talk about this as the most creative artwork of the century. So um, that's one thing. And, and if you look at this here, that's what's called ready-made art, when an artist just get off the shelf something and say it's art. And um, we keep, should keep that in mind when talking about AI um, and artists using AI nowadays. Uh, because if, we, if an artist decides to use AI as part of their process, we should respect that. We should respect that this is a tool they are using they are not deceiving uh, us. They, they're telling us that we are using AI as part of our process. I, I, I did this using AI. Um, and then the second thing to notice is that no AI-generated art is done out of vacuum. There is always and will be always a human in the loop, a human who programmed it, a human who fitted the data, a human who wrote the prompts. There is some degree of human intervention. But you think, uh, can, Ahmed, the human intervention qualifies as an artistic intervention in the sense that there's a an, an authentic expression? 
Yes, that's a very good question. That depends a lot on what kind of AI you're using. Uh, is the person using AI have a statement or not? Or does does he use AI for a purpose or or just because of lack of his own creativity using AI to um, create something and deceiving uh, deceive us with it? So that's a whole, a whole different story. So having these two things in mind, I think, help us navigate this uh, 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 minefield. Yeah, and I mean, I, I really... We'll get now to the GAN systems, and I want to ask you this, Ahmed, but I just finally, Michael, you know, all the, what you were talking about really reminded me of some of the beautiful lines you quoted in your, your article where you talk about loneliness and sort of the purpose of art, and uh, you quoted this idea of the, the dulling sameness of a world of infinite but meaningless variety, you know, that, that we can be in a world which is absolutely saturated with incredible images, but somehow we feel, still feel more alienated than ever and more alone. Um, there's an expression, the malaise of symbolic misery. And these are some beautiful ideas, which I think goes some way to convey the sense that th there's a purpose to art that is beyond uh, an being just an impressive creative form. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a connection there that uh, helps to soothe the loneliness. Ahmed, when we talk about these GAN systems now, where there are clearly humans involved with with a with something to say, something they want to convey, is photography does it qualify as an art form because the image isn't actually physically created by the artist, uh, and it was decided that it was that it did represent an authentic expression by a photographer, so it was sort of copyrightable art. But how do you think about these current GAN AI systems? Are the human prompters still truly the artist? Are they a collaborator with the AI in a sort of collab creativity? Um, or, or in a sense, are we deluding ourselves because the human's not really doing enough to qualify as an artistic voice and the AI is also not really doing enough? Yeah, that's a good question. I think you, you, you already um, have part of the answer in the question, which is let's go back to photography. And when in the 19th century, when photography um, came around, uh, first it was rejected as an art form. Uh, and uh, the very um, one of the very important point in photography was uh, in uh, 1861 France, where there was a, a, um, um, a lawsuit uh, brought up by a famous photographer at the time to copyright some of their work. And um, the, initially, the, the, the court said that photography is not copyrightable because it's not art. And the argument um, came around um, one important thing. Is the artist identity come through making a photograph? If you may use a camera, I use a camera. How is it different from me and you using similar cameras and shooting same scene? Where is, where is the artist identity? And it was very crucial to show that um, artist identity comes through the post of photography. And that's what make it art and what, what make it uh, copyrightable. We have exactly the same question now. Uh, what makes AI art or not? Um, so there are various ways of making uh, art using AI. GANs came first. And in GANs, initially, you train AI in your own images as an artist and generate from it. So it's a, uh, art's identity was clear here because if you train it with your own images um, and it's your own process, your identity is there. And then came later um, these kind of big GAN systems where it trains on millions of images from the internet. And nowadays we see newer version of that. It's, it's not GANs anymore. It's called uh, 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 diffusion models uh, with text prompt where you can uh, train this uh, with million, billions actually of images from the internet. And now your job is just uh, uh, tweak the knobs or write a text prompt and generate out of that. And here is the question, where is the artist identity? I claim that artist identity is, is wide in these systems because your role as an artist here is mainly mining these systems to extract something from it that already somebody else can extract. Not, uh, for example, uh, if you use mid-journey or any of these text uh, um, uh, prompting uh, images, if, I, if me and you uh, wrote the same prompts, exactly the same prompts, uh, probably the system will generate different images, but why? It's nothing that you, I chose or you chose. That's mainly because it is a random number involved in the process that generates your image 
different from my image. But even, so, Ahmed, with the many iterations and the very long prompts that are used, is there not a point in which you feel like the artist is present? Yes, totally, I agree. I mean, definitely, um, there is, um, the only control here is how you write the prompts. Uh, and that's the only artistic uh, knobs that you can play with and um, to generate something. But again, the art's identity here is hidden underneath uh, the randomness of the system that uh, at the end, if somebody else uses the same exact prompts, um, the only difference is the randomness that created these uh, uh, images. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. artist identity is really, really, is very tricky uh, to, to really prove yes, to the yes, world that yes. there is an art's identity in the process. Yes. Michael, we had the, the Oscar-winning writer-director Jane Campion on the podcast recently talking about creativity, and I'd, I've worked with her over a number of years, um, including on a film, The Power of the Dog, recently. And her creative process is hugely influenced by her subconscious. She just seems to have this miraculously and highly cultivated relationship with her subconscious that, that guides her process where she's seemingly there to just encourage and channel her subconscious to produce her works rather than sort of forcing her her will on her on her works. And I'm wondering if there's a way of seeing AI art, and I'm talking here, I'm trying to sort of go to the purer sense of really AI-generated art and the sort of work that, that Armin's been involved in rather than the GAN systems, but is there a way of seeing AI art as, a, as an expression of our collective unconscious, a space which is unconstrained by our human intention and agency in the sense that our unconscious is, but still worthy of merit as a sort of weird and wonderful representation of all the images that make up our collective lives. It's a, it's a very different way of seeing AI art to the sort of soulless commodity that exacerbates our loneliness model that we've talked about. Do you think there's anything of interest in, in AI art being a, a, an expression of our collective unconscious? <laughs> I mean, that certainly strikes me initially, at least as a, as a provocative idea, uh, you know, so much sometimes hinges, uh, interestingly enough on, on what we, as the, the, the human beings who are seeking meaning, seeking understanding bring to, um, the work of art, right? So, uh, does the work is, is the artist simply the interpreter, uh, applying, uh, ever more sophisticated and creative modes of inquiry that they bring to the the AI generated piece, uh, so that I, I'm, I'm absolutely thinking out loud here. Uh, I'm not even sure where the sentence will end, right? But but it, it it suggests to me the sense that you know to think of art in that seemingly more sophisticated way, where where I am exploring it uh, as an expression of our collective unconscious, uh, seems in itself to be uh, a kind of artistic spirit that one brings to the experience. Mm. Mm. So that the the artistry is in that sophisticated meaning deriving process uh, that certainly not everyone brings, not everyone is sufficiently attentive to bring, and that it could be very fruitful, right? Well, one one final question for you, Michael, and then we're going to hand over to Lloyd. You know, we know that we don't just create technology, but sort of technology creates us. How, how do you think AI will change art? You know, I'm talking here about changes in the sort of artworks that are produced as well as what we come to expect artworks to be, and also about how we relate to the artworks themselves. You know, one thing I thought of is because AI art draws on past artworks, what happens when there are enough past artworks for AI to draw on its own creations? Would that represent a sort of artistic singularity? How is this process going to affect art, but also what we bring to art and our relationship with art? So I think there's some interesting technical conversations uh, happening now about what happens when AI begins feeding on itself or training itself and whether that uh, is a, a virtuous or a vicious cycle. Uh, I won't claim to be sufficiently up to date on, on the research on that question to be able to answer it competently. Uh, it seems to me some of what I've encountered suggests that may more likely be a kind of vicious cycle. But what does that mean? You mean a sort of movement to mediocrity in a sense? Yeah, it's right. So it, it would degrade rather than augment uh, Elevate, the process. Yeah. yeah. You know, there are a couple of questions I've, you know, in, in direct response, I, I'm deeply interested in the question of human attentiveness, right? Of, of mm. how we are able to attend to the world. So th this is a, a kind of recurring theme in my writing and my own thinking. So what happens when we have a super abundance of information, right? Do we, do we become more careful readers? Uh, do we have to work very hard to actually retain uh, the, the kind of serious attentiveness to an argument or uh, to, to an essay or to whatever 
piece of, of human expression we're you know sort of thinking about, or is the net effect a kind of numbing, right? Where where we we become numb to the superabundance of images, right? And and again, I, I it is interesting to me how often some of our conversations now, like Ahmed suggested a moment ago, echo strangely echo late nineteenth, early twentieth century conversations. Um, so where uh, lithography and other new techniques made. Uh, images super abundant on the streets and advertising in the you know the, the the number of images that a person was likely to encounter is sort of grew exponentially to some degree maybe not exponentially right but to some it's great art degree. in the age of mechanical reproduction yes sense, right it's, it? it's certainly right and and so much of this conversation too I think is a matter of the artist trying to define themselves against new human new new technical capabilities right but mm. uh, my my one question right now would simply be whether the the proliferation of images uh, scrolling through, you know, a, a mid-journey <laughs> chat or a Discord server with AI images, uh, or simply in the, the degree to which it it promulgates our screens, w- whether that tends to heighten our capacity to carefully attend to the world, or rather numbs us and leaves us sort of skimming a se- I think I wrote something like this in that piece you cited it, skimming this, an infinite surface rather than ever kind of plumbing a depth at a particular point in a way that would be more satisfying. It reminded me of, of, of David Holtz, who founded Midjourney, him talking about, you know, the, the role of AI could be to just reduce the price of art and, you know, the work of artists because it's just easier or we could end up making wildly better art. And I thought, well, what is wildly better art? Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a mm-hmm. there's a sense that lies, a normative sense of the purpose of art that lies underneath that, which feels like yes. we're just going to be numbed by incredible images rather right. than have wildly better attentiveness to art or wildly right. better understanding or appreciation of art. Thanks so much, Michael and Ahmed. I, I, I certainly learned a huge amount of that, although I don't think we... Well, I think we actually did work out, for at least for me at least, the, the, the difference between creativity and art and a way to sort of put things in these two categories that maybe does more justice to, either, to both of them than I, I realised coming in. So thanks. Thanks so much. Well, that was part one of our conversation on AI, but check back next week for our On The Couch episode where Lloyd throws the guests tough questions and curveballs. And if you're enjoying Principle of Charity, be sure to leave a review and spread the word. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.